Hey everyone, and welcome back again to the Knife Nuts Podcast, a show that delves deep to bring you the best and worst the knife community has to offer. And tonight, in addition to the usual suspects, pun intended, we have the one and only John Gray. Yay! Woo! Yay! Yeah. Ooh. Say hi, John. Hi, John. That's great. <laughs> so how's everybody doing tonight? I'm doing good. Doing good? Yeah. Not bad. Not me. I have an attitude problem. That's no that's, friggin' way. Yeah, there's nothing new there. Right. <laughs> yeah. So business as usual all around. Yep. So did anyone get anything new? Yeah, actually, you know what? For once, we can do some real consumer advice. I feel like we're in Top Gear, and most of the time we are just dicking around and not talking about knives and reviewing them. But yeah, I've got some actual useful stuff to talk about, so... I got, let's start with the flashlight. So I think I talked about it last week. I still haven't gotten it. So I got in this Claris MI7 Ti. So it's a 14500 or double A light. It ain't good. I was distracted by the flashy features that like appeal to non-flashlight people. But like the real flashlighty things about it actually kind of suck. So it has like great fit and finish and has this very nice like blasted finish. But the UI is terrible. You, it's a side clicky, which I don't particularly like because not only is it not recessed, the button protrudes. So when you feel like your pocket is on fire, it's probably because you accidentally turned it <laughs> on. And the bigger problem is when you turn it on, it goes immediately into high. So it's just really annoying. And to lock it, it takes forever to do the lockout on the button. Yeah, it's not good. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I, I, I swore I would never buy another side switch. Uh, I, I was, they're hard to avoid. Yeah, I know. You should see, first off, I want to tell, apologize to everyone for the audio quality that I have here because John Gray is such a Luddite. I have to, we had to meet at a uh, mutual friend's house and set up a makeshift podcast studio here. <laughs> and I also want to apologize because the whole time everyone else is talking, John Gray is standing right in front of me and emoting some very strange faces. So <laughs> the whole time that Dave was talking about that, uh, that flashlight, I was trying to not lose my mind and make eye contact with John Gray. <laughs> so, it's, it's all, this is already off to a great start. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't like side switches, but I feel like they're really hard to avoid. seems like what everyone's doing. It's true, and I can't stand them. Every flashlight I have to have has to have that, that flush digital button or at worst, a clicky, one of the clicky switches. Yeah, I, I want to get one of the zebra lights, actually. But we're going to talk about knives for the okay. rest of this podcast. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll get off flashlights before we get too far into the weeds. I also got in two Kaisers this week, which is good because, John, I've actually owned one of your Kaiser collaboration knives. But I got in the Wander from Justin Lundquist. It's basically like a Spidey Chef if it was done better uh, and not with a weird <laughs> nitrogen-based steel. But, yeah, that one's really nice. But then I also got in the, uh, the Kaiser Kyer. It's designed by TK Knives, those two guys out of... I don't know, the Czech Republic or something. And I'd gotten one in before on a pass around and the clip was totally fucked back then. It was just way too tight and it was basically unusable. So I saw a good deal on one on eBay, figuring they had fixed it and they tried to fix it by like making the clip a little bit more flexible. Still fucked. Sent it back like the same day I got it. So swing and a miss from Kaiser there, but one of them was really good. In Czech Republic, clip fuck you. It's seriously, <laughs> it's terrible. It's like it's supposed to be like a you know a bent clip, except for it was made out of like I don't know, 
eighth inch titanium so it had no give whatsoever <laughs> and it literally just funneled your jeans into the lock bar cutout which was on which is exposed so it gets all bunched up and then you look like a fucking idiot trying to pull a knife out of your pants pocket with two hands looking like an idiot is never a stretch for you Dave. yeah i mean seriously i mean it's bad so yeah that one went back the day i got it i was i was expecting better but nope the wanderer is great though cool I actually got a couple new things, and I've had the opportunity to play with a couple new production knives. The first one I'd like to talk about is the Todd Bag Steelcraft Glimpse, the one that they did with Wee Knives. I feel like Wee Knives is the company that we we talk we say the most. Maybe it's just because it's fun to say we Wee Knives. But either way, all the other ones, uh, all the other Steelcraft stuff, were done with uh, Ria, yep. I believe. And these Steelcraft knives were produced by uh, Wee. And there, I mean, it's a really great knife. I mean, I'm, I'm the steel liner G10 handled version right now, and I mean, and I've handled custom glimp, the custom glimpse, and the mid tech glimpse, and it feels honestly almost identical. It's it's a phenomenal knife. You can't say anything bad about it. The one I got a chance to play with is actually that. I don't know what to call it. I just nicknamed it the peanut butter glimpse. Oh, God, it was terrible. It's a gross... You want to talk about Brian? Talk about flesh tones? That thing literally looked like it was wrapped in human skin. So it's like the Necronomicon of glimpses. <laughs> but what, I, I personally like it. Yeah, John likes <laughs> A lot of people like and it. And you know it what's even huge. cooler about it? There's only 10 of them. It looked yeah. like it came out of Ed Gein's collection. Well, in order to... I also have in my possession right now the blue G10 version. Okay, that's and much better. I got to tell you, any criticisms you may have had with the uh, with the tan G10 variation, that's going to go away when you guys see this blue one because this thing is killer. I've seen the carbon fiber like versions. Two, yeah, it's got like this two tone like denim blue and like I think it's either black. Black. It's black. Yeah. So, but the two blend together to give you like almost uh, you know from far away it almost looks like it's a navy G10, which you don't see too often. Forever, because it doesn't exist. How is the liner on that thing? Because they are an inset liner lock, which is not exactly the most expensive construction out there, and they are asking three fifty for them. Well, I'll tell you what. That's the steel liner lock G ten or two ninety nine, and the titanium liner carbon fiber are three fifty. There's a different liner material. That's so weird. Yep. Yep. That's. That's strange. They should have just done steel or titanium for both. I, I think the steel works fine. I mean, for the way that it's inset, it's and it's nice because the finish on the liner has also got a nice polish that matches the rest of the hardware on the thing. So it's there is some time and detail that is really really nice on this knife. Everything feels good. Um, one of the criticisms, the only criticism I had, and these are pre-production models, is like everything just you know like the milling on on the handle. Like, I guess they could have knocked the edge off a little bit because um, it has that fuller in the handle. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's yeah. pretty damn good. If you want to do a callback to a previous episode when Brian was talking about how weird it is that people are making the same design with multiple makers. So there's also a Steelcraft glimpse coming out from Riot at some point. Is it going to be like a smaller version or something? No, it's going to be a full tie version. Oh, interesting. But that again, is- flooding the market with the same designs. It's a weird move. It is, it is kind of the way things are now, but I, I can't say anything bad about the knife. Uh, really, really nice. Yeah. Um, even the clip, it even has the little ceramic ball. Really good stuff. I think those clips work really, really well as far as sculpted yeah. clips go. Yeah, and I bitch about them all the time, and those have been decent. So. Another knife that I've had the pleasure of, of 
fondling um, is the Heretic Knives Hydra uh, OTF, the single action OTF, the production version. Yeah, I didn't, so, I didn't even know there was a production version yet. They are just now hitting like Blade HQ and all of that stuff. Uh, really, really cool. And it fires harder than most of the Halos that I've fired, um, which is interesting, you know. You know, it's, it's the baby Marfione. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, I mean, putting our money where our mouth is. You said you wanted to get one. I did, yeah. And I really, actually, I still really want one of the, uh, what's the other knife called? The one that's the flipper and they have the auto version. The Wraith, that small one. I think it's yeah, the Wraith. Yeah, I think it's the Wraith. Yeah. Uh, I told you they have it at one of the, at Fred Eisen Leather. They've got a couple, he's got a couple of them there. I think the next time I take a ride out to New Hope, I'm just going to pick one up. Yeah, because I'm really impressed. It's really nice stuff. Um, you know, I'm enjoying it. And the other knife I got, which was a huge surprise to me, uh, I actually got it from you, Dave. The uh, the real steel megalodon, the new version, the one that you reviewed on. The what should be 2017 knife of the year. I I cannot believe how much I like this knife. It's incredible. It's, it's such a good knife. It's incredible. I, have you played with it, John? Which one? It's in my pocket. I'm going to hand it to you right now. No, I'm not reaching into your pocket. Uh, <laughs> it, what, it's never stopped you before. Jake's going to get jealous. Again. <laughs> Jake actually has the original Megalodon, and we actually yeah. were com- contrasting. What were your thoughts on it, Jake? Yeah, I was. they were, they were similar and, and different. Uh, I guess, which you'd kind of expect since uh, this is kind of the updated version. It looks really different with that uh, satin finish and without the big choil. But then you kind of flip it over and it's got that same really unique wavy EDM cutout on the lock bar. And so, you know, similar, different. I don't know. I don't don't know that I could pick one right away. I'd have to uh, carry the new one a little bit first. But I've carried the old one for years and it's one of the knives I've complained about less than, I don't know, well, than most because, other knife designs. you got it as a birthday gift from someone very special. <laughs> yes, and uh, as is the case with many of my knives. But I'm still critical of them, whether they came as a gift or otherwise. I uh, if, if the design is wrong, not, not, not the gift part, but if the knife itself is flawed, if it tries to cut my finger off, you know, grows a mind of its own and jumps up, I'll, I'll criticize it. But John is John is giving the uh, the knife a once over right now. He's looking at it pretty critically. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it's a nice knife, right? Well, tell tell but, him how much you paid for it. A hundred and ten dollars. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of good good stuff for a hundred and ten bucks. If you guys saw the face he made just then, that said it all. Yeah, shout out to all my sketchy knife dealers who sell things for under map. And somehow don't get like the distributorship pulling them <laughs> their products. Like we got that from Knife Outlet, and then there was also a coupon for Real Steels. So it was 130, and then there was like a I don't know 20 percent off coupon or something. It's down to 110 dollars. <laughs> What's the retail? 207. Okay, so it, yeah, that's that's what I paid for mine. One, you paid 207 for yours. I, I bought it when they first came out. I did not expect people to go rogue and be selling knives for 50 percent off. Yeah, well, I feel like it's the deal of the century. It you know, really the only is. other knife, even at two hundred bucks, it's a great. I agree. Yeah. I I can't get over it. I think it's a phenomenal. Yeah. The last deal I saw like this is like when ZT was blowing out the original run of the ZT eight hundred one. Yeah, I still think that that that's a phenomenal value. If you can find one of those, people are selling. Well, really cheap. 
not to plug Knife Outlet again, but that guy also sells ZTs below map. If you sign up for their newsletter, he has this private quote-unquote sale that he sends you a not, link to. And not anymore, he doesn't. No. Yeah, really. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he's doing it You open. totally knocked him out. You just knocked him. <laughs> you knocked him out. Yeah. We'll edit that out. We, no, we edit. We always edit these before they go out anyway. Yes. Yeah, if this were, if this this would be a total disaster. Yeah, it, it's like fine. sometimes too much information is way too much information. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll let him cook. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else did I get? I think I got something else. Uh, I got. I mean, I'll let Jake tell you about uh, some of the the generosity of the knife community in a minute. But I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I received. I got a couple flashlights, nothing too crazy, nothing I really feel. I have, I have a few knives on the way, actually, because apparently I've decided to just put myself in debt more than I already am. Mm. I got the <laughs> cheap knives. Uh, the new Boker Lateralis, the JB Stout production knife. It looks very nice. Is it named after a Tool album? It is. They're all. I think a bunch of his knives are named after Tool albums. There's the Parabola. There's the Lateralis. Mm. Uh, there's the Stink Fist. Is there a schism? There's the prison rape. Um, no. <laughs> shout out to Tool. I have that coming, and then uh, I returned one of those Kaisers and then bought another one because I'm glutton for punishment. Or no, I have just higher expectations for it. It's a front flipper one, so first front flipper for me. Mm. Interesting. I actually own, at one time I owned two whole front flippers. Well, the Anax works as a front flipper if That's you stable it enough. I front flipped the hell out of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never owned a genuine front flipper, so the Wakula will be the first one for me. John, you've never made a front flipper, have you? Nope. I don't think he's going to either. Let South Africa have their thing. Jake, so what do you, what do you have for us? Uh, so new acquisitions were interesting this week. I, I received a gift, sort of another one that was kind of supposed to be a surprise, but uh, I, I kind of found out about it ahead of time. But my, uh, once again, my British pen pal buddy who uh, has made a hobby of having knives sent to my house, and then I sort of check them over and put them all in one big package and ship them over instead of him paying, you know, 40 bucks a shot every time or something like that. It's, uh, it's supposed to be a money-saving thing. It's more of just, like, fun because we both get to play with them, and uh, sometimes... You know, we, we uh, switch up our stock and things of that nature. So recently, he I missed out on uh, Vintage Spider Co. And then that, that he had a line on another one. So he decided to have that sent my way. And uh, while he was being uh, super uh, giving and courteous, uh, Mr. MD Daily 85 from Instagram decided that he would follow suit and sent another one along for Levon with a nice node and a couple of trinkets in there as well. So shout out to those guys. I mean, that, that, you know, just another uh, typical awesome uh, perk of, you know, the community at large. Yeah. If you're not so following fun, so. either Chunky Whippet, what's his, what's his handle? Chunky yeah, Whippet. Yeah. Chun Chunky Whippet and uh, MD Daily. MD, with, MD with Daily. There. Funny how the two nice guys on the podcast get stuff sent to them and ain't nobody sending shit to me and Brian. <laughs> That's, be that's because you guys are the grumpiest of people on this podcast. I'll watch your shit. You keep it. <laughs> exactly. I would rather not have your shit than have to deal with your ass. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's, that's a two-way street. It's, it's a part, part of the hobby is randomly surprising other hobbyists with, uh, with I, get it. I, shit, I, yeah. I do get it. I, I, I totally <laughs> 
what Spydercos were they? Just just a vintage, like a mid-90s uh, Delica. Oh. I, the oldest Spyderco that I had was not vintage at all. Is that like with the integral FRN clip? Like the one that you yes. can't remove? Oh, damn, that's old. Yes. Yes. Um, John is taking, like, he's, he's getting out all his toys right now. He's got, like, a whole... His, all his, his all the stuff that he's made. He's got stuff that he got at Blade Show. John, of your of your Blade Show acquisitions, non John Gray knives. What 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 are the standouts? None of them. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I got a, a pretty cool Borka Blades M Stitch. Who's that? What's that? Some little knife I got here. Some little knife. Oh, I, this is great because he's handing it to me. It's funny because I'm lucky enough to live. Somehow, I'm in this strange little uh, area where a lot of knife makers live or work. So John, Brian, Sebastian all live sort of in the same area, so to speak. Jeff. I brought a full-size one. Jeff. So you can compare you know, a lot of guys. Nick from NCC Knives. We don't talk about that. We don't talk. Nick is sort of like, you know, we don't really... When are we, when are we going to get the Southeastern Pennsylvania Knife Makers Guild of Southeastern Pennsylvania? Yes. Uh, let me see. When we're all dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> John just handed me uh, Sebastian's mini stitch, and I own I own one of the full size ones, and I'm, I'm I'm sitting here comparing both of them, uh, and this is the first time I'm actually handling it right now on the on the uh, podcast and it is pretty darn cool it looks like it keeps the same dimensions it's just shortened so it's this beefy little knife well i mean it's shrunk down all the way around all the way around not just short it's proportionally scaled down i I see that now yeah i see that now except for maybe the thickness other than that that, that's what i'm saying the thickness is identical look at that yeah Yeah, pretty damn sick and i'm also holding a, a dlc coated stitch so this is this is pretty cool can someone tell Microtech to make non-auto versions coming to the market first with an auto version? You can uh, buy that from Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Seriously. I don't have $6,000 sitting around. No, they're not $6,000 unless you want a super ultra fancy one. Well, the, I think the auction price on the first one was, was right around there or something crazy. Right. If you go to a show or something, yeah, they're very... Uh, we got to get Sebastian on the show, too, eventually. Uh John, this is a good segue too. Um, you know, you are well known within the knife community. Everybody seems to know you. Everybody sees you as like either a mentor, uh, some sort of uh, re- weird be. father figure, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a gropey uncle, gropey or uncle, or, or a douche, or douche bag, gropey or, uncle or douche. Why? Well, you know, I learned the douche part from Brian. Though, <laughs> where'd you, you learn know. the Sasquatch? The Sasquatch part was from watching TV and eating beef jerky. <laughs> How do you, what got you started in the community? What was the, I guess we're just jumping right into the John Gray. You just started making knives and then you just talk to people and say, look, I made a knife. You go from there. That was simple. You know it was more than that, you dick. What made you interested in knives in the first place? I've been place? in knives ever since I was a kid. Just started with Swiss Army knives and then progressed into Gerbers and Almars and Benchmades and then Spyrocos and then Customs and then, you know, that's start you making them as a hobby and then doing this. It's just what happens. It's, it's as simple <laughs> as that, folks. I mean, it was Where slightly you know, better than this? that you make a knife and you hand it to someone. Well... 
you got to make a knife, hand it to some, get them to look at it before you can, you know, know what the hell you're really doing, get their opinion on it. I mean, I've been, I've spent a lot of time in John Gray's shop, and he has some of his old prototypes laying around. Like, I think you have, like, one of the first knives that you made just, I um, just sitting there, and it's already better than half the stuff that I've seen a lot of people do. You have a pretty deep knowledge of, of the history of knives, and generally have good taste, which I think is something that a lot of knife makers don't necessarily have. He's sitting here looking at me shaking his head, but it's the truth. So what made you decide that I'm going to make a knife today? Like there had to be some sort of spark. It had nothing better to do at the time. Fair enough. Fair enough. That would be the most accurate description. Pretty good. And I've always made stuff, you know, whether it was working with wood or making model airplanes or tying flies or working on fishing rods and whatever, just always doing something as a hobby it just progressed from there. And so you always had like the, uh, the initiative to carry a knife and the use for it. I know you're a fisherman. You like to fish, you like to hunt. Yeah, I mean, it's a tool. I mean, I use one every day. If it's in my pocket, I'm using it. It's that simple. And it's gotten you a lot of notoriety. I mean, I don't think you're, like within the grand scheme of the knife community, people know your name. They may not immediately be able to identify your knives, but they know the names of the knives. So how do you come up with names like like the slut and the perversion? <laughs> and uh, Well, the perversion yeah. is just my version of a Persian. That was a lot of rhyming. <laughs> you know? My version of a Persian is the perversion. <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, just, that's all it was, you know, my version of a Persian, and that was it. And that's where we came up with perversion. Now, John, when you started making that, did you start with fixed blades and then work to folders, or did you go right into folders? How did you do that? I started with making knives out of titanium. I had come across uh, 400 feet of titanium bar that measured quarter inch thick by one inch wide <laughs> by anywhere from six to 12 feet long. And, yeah, you still uh, have any of that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you really? I do. Yep. And uh, I actually have more than half of it, I think. <laughs> Still. Um, and started making knives out of that and little pocket tools out of that. And that was back in 2008. Started all that. Oh, nearing a decade in the business. And that was just playing around with them. You know, just something to do. It wasn't selling them, wasn't on the internet at all. Just something to do. So what was the first uh, folding model you designed? The Thuck, the Tactical Hunting Utility Camp Knife. I see. That's where the name came from. That's pretty cool. And the Thuck is, is he, would you say that's probably your most popular design still? No, I mean, it's one I get asked for a lot, but I mean, the, the new Splitter's pretty damn popular. I, I love the Splitter, and I, 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 it's, another, it's another one of those knives that I like to lay claim to, to naming. So that's that's my that's my claim to fame for the splitter, and it was really it was cool. almost the spoiler, and I told and, him that was a stupid name. Yeah, and then uh, and Brian said he's going to use it, and then uh, <laughs> no, the I next, said I want to use the, the soiler. The soiler, oh my fault! <laughs> it makes you shit your pants. <laughs> it's so sharp you'll shit your pants. <laughs> There's still time to use it. Yeah. 
Oh my God. When that dirty job just gets a little dirtier, use the spoiler. <laughs> the soiler. The soiler. The you shitter. Get this right. The shitter. I just call it the shitter. Yeah. Right. No, I'm sure it's, someone's going to do it. You could do an all brown Cerakoted splitter and call it the shitter. <laughs> or you could just buy one of those rich made knives, and that pretty much is just a, an actual piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> speaking of shitters, did you ever get that little dead baby out of yours? <laughs> oh my god talk about something we're gonna need to cut out of this <laughs> yeah was the fuck name did you just want to come up with a goofy name or did you really was that just like it was just an acronym yeah it was just it just happened to work yeah oh it's just something to do at the time yeah well that was at the time that was like so different than any other knife because of Absolutely. the negative handle angle is that am i getting that yeah. geometry right yeah like you could the folder you could use as a kitchen knife if need be or whatever but you guys want to hear something stupid? And then, I don't know. Well, I don't know if I was the first, but I know a lot of the guys are making knives like that. Yeah, and everyone's doing it now. Absolutely. I think you you are... Uh, Tashi, similar. I mean, and uh, Sinkovich, actually. It's a couple guys that I like the looks of and think the same way. Yeah. You know. I was going to say, um, before I knew John Gray personally, before Jake and I knew John Gray personally, we were big fans of his work and always thought it had a really unique aesthetic because it looked like it was assembled by a human being, you know, someone who really needed to put the, put the knife to use and thought about every reason why he would use every material and every shape. And, uh, I know the designs like the Thuck, the Prepper and the Persian were ones that really, really, uh, drew us in. And then we met at a local knife show. It's actually where, I met Sebastian and, and you, John, at the same time. And I, we've been friends ever since. It's, it's kind of weird to see the progression from the outside looking in and then from the inside looking out. Because when I remember us sitting at, at Top Cats uh, where you were drawing the splitter on a napkin in between uh, beers, which was a really good time. Do you remember that? It makes you think more. It really does. It, beer does make you think. <laughs> About not driving home. That's true. <laughs> another another thing about the fuck was the gigantic pivot that right. was also kind of interesting. <laughs> the, uh, the gigantic. It was big. Gargantuan pivot. Okay, was I under <laughs> was I underselling the size of the pivot? It was big. Yeah. What, was, what was what was the idea there? Built in uh, over travel. Okay. Built in over travel and sturdier, and also. Uh, you know, you could use a coin to tighten it and loosen it if yep. need be. And the idea was originally to use uh, just Phillips head or straight screws in the handle. So if you had to take it apart or do something, you didn't have to go in crazy looking for a Torx or an Allen. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, just too many knife guys, what they want to do is they want, oh, it's got to have a Torx. You know, it's got to have these prettier screws when in you want something that's actually more practical and easier to use think of the common tool it's funny because we had we had uh ernie emerson on blast last week because (laughs) his new ballast songs use phillips head screws that actually makes sense because with ballast songs you have to adjust them often and you don't want something that's going to strip out like a small phillips don't change your tone right now you were the number one hater i i was just explaining why it's dumb to have a small phillips Anyway, I literally just 
God damn it. Oh, I misunderstood you. Yeah. Yeah, that pivot was always really unique. Were those on bearings at the time or were they on washers? Because, I mean, I can totally. The original one, the earlier ones were all on uh, washers. That makes sense then. batch was uh, very large bearings. Yeah, because I I appreciate the easy pivot adjustment if you're going to be doing something on washers just because, you know, there's generally a little bit more fiddling with the pivot necessary. Fiddle with the pivot. Yeah. The other thing about the Thuck that was really cool, I think it was the introduction of the progressive chisel grind. Could you just describe that for people who don't know? And something I'm curious to hear about how you decided on that or what the advantages are of it. I don't know. I've always been in the chisel ground blades. Started with uh, some Phil Hartsfield knives I had and some Emerson's. I mean, I've been collecting um, 48 since I was a kid, you know, so over the years. But Hartsfields, I started buying them in the 90s. I always liked them. I just liked the way they cut, and they're easily sharpened, and they cut real good, and they're keen. You know, just a chisel is a leaner, usually is a leaner cutting edge than a V-grind most of the time. I just didn't want to grind it the same way as some other knives that were out there. And I saw what... uh, Jeremy Horton did, and I thought that was pretty cool, but I didn't want to copy it. So over time, just going around, trying to come up with something different. You know, not the same, but different. But definitely, I liked the look of what the knife was. And uh, that's how I came up with it. So the other thing to take note with a lot of the uh, chisel grinds that you do, John, is that you don't, you know, a lot of people think that knives have to have a show side and like a lock side, uh, the knife has to work, right? And most, and for a, a right-handed individual, you you always have your grind on the right side of the blade. The grind on the right side of the blade, which would be the lock side. Unless you're doing, quote unquote, Japanese woodworking, then you're grinding it the other way, but most guys aren't asking for that. Most guys are cutting, you know, like food and other stuff with it. And the right-handed chisel works better for that. And I mean, they definitely do work. I've, I've you know, handle a lot of your knives uh, and use them, in the, and they're awesome cutters. Uh, what's cool, though, is that none, 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 neither side of the knife, a knife that you grind, is boring because you've learned to embellish the other side as well with like either a fuller to lighten it up. Um, you put usually uh, hand satin. What is your thought process? Do you do you sort of make it up as you go along per, per knife, or is it? I don't know if the it's well the. On a traditional frame lock with a pocket clip, both sides of the knife do not match because you have a pocket clip, they're still not matching. So why don't you do something different on each side of the knife, similar but different to where it looks like when you're buying a knife, you're buying two different knives, not necessarily the same boring thing on both sides of the knife. You're getting something, you know, you look at it on this side, oh, it's one knife, you flip it over, oh, it's a different knife. It's just part of my thought process. And that's what's cool about custom knife collecting, too. You're always looking at your collection and, and sort of seeing new things about knives that you, that you may own and stuff that you may not even notice, you know, years down the line. And another thing that, John, you're known for is the finishes that you've developed over the years for both your blades and your handles. Um, most notably, the, the bark finish that you do on a lot of your frames. Um, and now you're working, I think, uh, Alan Elishowitz came up with it originally, but you have... Uh, yeah, he got it from a, a knife he saw in Russia. What are we talking about, first off? Oh. You know what? I forget what it's called. The black rain finish? The black rain, the, the dark, dark rain. Dark, dark rain. 
dark dark rain. <laughs> yeah, there, there's different versions of it, but I mean it's basically the same thing where it's two different finishes. And uh, I called Alan up about it. And I said, "Yo, um, how do you do that?" And he's like, "Figure it out yourself." And next, well, I said, "Okay, <laughs> challenge." And uh, but no, like I said, I mean, it gave me the idea to to, to try it, and that's how I came up with it. And uh, I'm really not going to talk about what it is, but you can take a look and see pictures of it. Absolutely. Well, the way you do it, it's like it's really nice. I mean, you have to see them in person. But moving on back to like the uh, the bark finish that you do and the the heavy orange peel stuff that you do. I forgot the, what this, the orange peel. Yeah, I mean, you don't. You, I never saw any of when I started collecting knives and John, Jake. I know you can echo this. That was the first time we really saw these almost organic finishes on you know hard steel and, and titanium. Like the bark finish, I think still holds up as like one of the best working finishes. Yeah, it's even with scratches in it, they kind of end up blending in because it's not a s smooth surface on the knife. And it gives it a tiny bit of texture. You know, it doesn't make the knife real slippery in your hand. And uh, what's cool about it is you can anodize it two different colors. And if you want to take more time, you can actually do like three colors. Uh, do you mind going into some detail on how you start with the, how you start uh, working with something? It's, getting it's, to that a, it's basically, Grind it and then uh, <laughs> faster grinding. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not something I. Yeah, no, I publish. Hear sure, no, it's of just, course not. But it's it's a really cool look. But if, it, if you guys get a chance to handle a knife with the bark finish, it's really cool. Sebastian from of Borka Blades, I know he uses it all the time. With Dalbor uh, has Dalbor uses it. Um, like Matthew Christensen's doing something similar now. He asked me once, and you. You've apprenticed a lot of uh, a lot of knife makers that are pretty prevalent nowadays. You know, I mentioned Sebastian uh, for a while, and you you you've been known to take a lot of makers under your wing, sort of uh, catapult them into some sort of stardom. I know you've worked with a bunch of people. I'm not going to name names unless you name them. But Sebastian, I know you guys lived together for a long time. You know, uh, and you shared a shop, so right. you guys work together frequently all you know every day. We did. Now he's uh, doing some pretty cool stuff down in Houston right now. Absolutely. Yeah. It was. Those were the good old days, though. <laughs> um, going forward, let's see. So you've recently partnered with Kaiser for your first production knives within the past year or so. That was last year. Last year. Yeah. Uh, how has that been going for you? Is it's it a project? Fine. It's just they make them, sell them, and I get some here and there, and they're they're pretty nice. I like the knife. They are nice knives. Have you seen an increase in your traffic for your production, for your custom knives from? I don't think it's, I mean, yeah, there has been an increase. I get plenty of, you know, calls, but it's, I don't think it, uh, that was necessarily the reason why. I'm just always trying to do something a little different and improve, you know, every night. You know, I look at some of the old stuff, original early stuff I did, and I go, ooh, I made that. And I go, here, let me fix that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually had one of the Kaiser SLTs, which was based off of your slot model, for people who don't know. And, yeah, it was it was really awesome. Do you plan on doing anything else with them or revising those at all? Any Making any uh, it's changes? Up, it's up to them. I mean, they just 
I'm not against it. We just haven't discussed it. Okay. Oh. I, I would certainly wouldn't mind seeing a production splitter or uh, the the thuck, the production thuck with a chisel grind. That'd be very cool as well. Yeah, I don't think it'll be chisel ground. I haven't talked to anybody in production that says they were comfortable doing chisel grinds. Really? Is it mm-hmm. is it more difficult? Yeah, I, I think I don't know so. It's part of how the, uh, the machines are set, especially the way the grind is done, the way I'm doing the grind. I mean, it's basically uh, oh yeah, definitely. zero ground. Yeah. But... You know, and I'd rather honestly not see it be a production. I'd rather keep it custom and keep it more special. Yeah, true. Very true. Right? The Intercept would also be a cool model to see come back. Is that one that you're going to do in the future? Because I feel like I haven't seen any Intercepts from you in a while. I'll probably do a few more of those. Still have a few parts left. That was an awesome knife. It's a much... I've handled both, and I think... I'm sold on on the on the splitter because didn't that start out as just basically a, a smaller version of the of the? Uh, it was just, it, it was like this. It came from the idea came from it, but no, nah, I mean it's not really a smaller version. It's definitely of it, a different knife at this point. It's on the uh, intercept. The handle's a lot bigger, and it's got like a three point eight inch blade. This thing is way smaller, four inches. The overall length is well over an inch in difference in the two knives. I mean, there's, this is a much tighter knife. The splitter over the uh, intercept. Oh, they, they got it. Yeah, I, I noticed that a lot. I mean, there was a huge uh, change in tolerances between coming from uh, the Thuck era to the splitter era. And one, another thing that you're known for is doing really awesome collaborations with, with a lot of different makers. Um, obviously, um, uh, Sebastian from Borker Blades, and now you've actually partnered with Tracker Dan, come out with the Blood Shark. So, uh, the Blood Shark folder, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that? I can. It's, the Blood Shark basically is a really handy, useful, small-bladed, fixed-blade knife. I believe the overall length of the knife seven inches it's pretty concealable even in your pocket and the sheath that dan came up for the knife is uh, pretty damn slick you can put the knife back you know in the sheath with the blade facing either direction because you know it's easy to deploy easy to conceal he designed his own pocket clip for it which is pretty damn good this is for the fix this is all for his fixed blade right so we were talking at uh, in Las Vegas, and uh, I said, "Hey, send me some blanks. Let me see if I can come up with a folder." You know, you like the idea, and lo and behold, that's what happened. Basically, took his fixed blade knife and did what I could to make it work as a folding knife. And that's how we got the blood shark folder. And I finally got them done just in uh, May. So it took from uh, actually January to uh, to May to do it. It's definitely one of those designs that you really need to get in hand to to get a real feel for it. I mean, obviously, but uh, truthfully, it's a it's a blade that you when you have it in your hand, it's, it's really confidence inspiring. Uh, it's I wish you guys were here right now because it, I'm all like mighty in knives right now. It's, just it's, pulling it's, knives out. You know, it's a smaller knife, but it's high on performance. And this one is one of the thin frame versions. Yeah. This, this is really cool. Yeah, it's less than three-eighths inch thick. 
So basically, you could take both uh, slabs for the frame, the lock side and the show the uh, the show side, put them together, and they basically equal the, the the width of the blade. It is really cool. Yeah. So if you haven't seen, go check them out on John Gray's. Uh, Instagram, which I just believe is John Gray Knives. I think it is John Gray Knives. <laughs> and that's definitely. Is it Brian? You stalk me all the time. Is it John Gray Knives? Um, yes, I believe so. Okay, thanks. It is. Brian, you've been working on a fixed blade of your own, haven't you? Um, I just I made up one. You know, I uh, again the way I do orders and stuff, I don't really have time for a lot of extra stuff. But coming back from from blade, I had a little time to fart around here and i had this piece of sand my here that you know i originally somebody gave to me to make a folder out of and you can't because it was had 410 on the outside 410 stainless steel was the outside and um it's just too soft to really put bearings or anything on so i uh finally cut it down and made a one-off fixed blade it's at heat treat right now as a matter of fact that's gonna look cool so that the one you posted that it's gonna be a, get a darker finish than that uh, well, the, the outsides of it is going to be, you know, bright hand satin, and then yeah, the, this it's uh, going to have that, you know, homoan line look that would be dark. That's going to be awesome. I yeah, it should be pretty cool. I've always been a big fan of that original fixed blade that you designed with the with that uh, that heavy choil. I think if um, if I made them now, people would be a little more receptive to them. Um, but, I mean, they were pretty I early. Know, I just in your career. Yeah. And it's just hard to, I don't know. I don't know. If, I I don't know now if I can make enough money on fixed blades to justify stopping what I'm doing to even make some, you know? All right. One of, honestly, John, one of my most used fixed blades is the accomplice that, that you made. Uh, I think that is one of the most useful fixed blades. A lot of guys have them on that I've spoken to. They, they love them. Uh, you're still going to be doing a couple oh, yeah. of those. I'm working on some now. Yeah. I mean, if you guys haven't gotten your hands on an accomplice, that's a really great way to get into the custom knife world. Uh, for anyone who's dabbling in production knives, is, is look at some of the fixed blade designs that are out there, because you know, generally speaking, they they are a little more affordable than doing a, a folder, and you, you'll see the, the the difference right away. So I can, you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys have, Jake. Dave, you guys have all experienced a lot. Yeah, my first custom was a was a fixed blade as well. Absolutely, it's a great way to, to dip your toes into the custom knife waters. I really like this carbo quartz splitter that you did. Carbo quartz is a cool material. I don't know much about it. Do you do you know any more about it, John? It's expensive. Is it? I don't really know what it's made <laughs> out of. It's it's really cool looking, but it kind of. I don't even know how to describe what it looks like to people that haven't seen it. I would encourage you to go to John's Instagram and look for the splitter with it. It's sort of white and black. And well, there's different types. There's yeah. uh, That's the one I've seen, but is there other colors? black and white stump, and then there's all black. Okay. And they're both pretty cool. Yeah, it's got this really interesting grain pattern. Brian Tide just uh, today, I think, posted a design that used the cardboard quartz. Yeah. The white and black one? Mm-hmm. Tiebreaker, I think it is, yeah. There's that one. Marfione has done some matrixes. And, is that the uh, plural of matrix? Matrices? Matrix, 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 matrixes? Matrixes? He's done the matrix. Right. In black and white. And I actually had my hands on one of them 
in Florida, and it's a pretty damn good-looking knife. Uh, I was just going to say that it's a really interesting material, and I, I don't know anything about what it's composed of or, like... Well, it's got uh, carbon fiber in it, the black stuff. Yep. And the uh, white stuff is a uh, silica quartz. Oh, it literally is quartz. Yes. I did not expect it. Whoa, that's cool. It's named literally yeah. for what it is. <laughs> I just didn't realize you could do that. Well, they make they make silica quartz in sheet form like they do. Uh, you know, it's a woven material just like you do have your uh, carbon carbon. Carbon fiber. Carbon fiber. Yeah, carbon fiber. Uh, speaking speaking of materials, you are uh, you've used mostly AEBL for a lot of your knives. I know you've used M three ninety. How do you choose, pick and choose the steels that you use for your projects? Just looking at how things finish and work out. I mean, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people put too much stock in mm-hmm. certain super steels. Because they get these knives that they can't freaking sharpen after they buy it. You're assuming you that people it. actually use the knives that you that you that <laughs> yeah yeah. And uh, you know, <laughs> I'm now using some Nitro V, which is an advanced version of AEBL. It's basically AEBL with uh, nitrogen and vanadium in it. And I mean, you can pretty much do anything with it. So as far as from mirrored finish to dark i mean it's pretty amazing stuff and it it holds an edge and it's easy to resharpen usually you just give a quick strop and you're back up and running you know it's, it's pretty good steel nitro v uh is brian isn't that what you made the non dama steel version of the uh of the nemesis dagger out of yes yeah. see connecting the dots very cool. <laughs> I'm still curious about that steel. I think because I always thought AEBL got a bad rap. Mm. Well, AEBL is used in tons of Damascus stainless Damascus. People pay a fortune for. So how bad could it be? Right. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought people were coming around to it after a bunch of custom makers kind of got on board with it. I remember Gavco was one of the first people I remember really talking about AEBL a lot. Now a lot of people are. Yeah. Yeah, well, AEBL also, the other problem with it was it was always in thin strip form. They never made it in anything thicker than, like, 0.10. Oh, okay. So those dies, you know, a lot of guys that were using it were using it for fixed blades, thin bladed fixed blade knives. You know, now they make it up to 3 sixteenths of an inch thick. So people are using it for everything <clears throat> other than murder hatchets. <laughs> Yeah, it's really fine grained from my understanding. It's not a powder metallurgy steel, but it has like super fine grains because it doesn't yes. have a lot of carbides. So it's very clean. Yeah, is that an untapped market? You know, murder hatchets for hatchet murderers. Yes, and for insane clown posse fans. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> that was a reference I never wanted to make on this podcast. Yeah, I don't think I'll include that one in the reference list for the episode in the show no, notes. It's like, how many juggalos do you think listen to this show? I hope zero. If you do, stop listening. Fuck off. Is it the enti- <laughs> is it the entire Balasan community? I don't. I, I would not say anything that mean about anyone. <laughs> no, I couldn't either. That, that's almost that's almost too far for me. It's true. So, John. Yes, dear. I need you to I need you to confirm or deny something. All right. I'm going to give you the hard questions right now. All 
All right, ready? He's looking at me. He's terrified. He's like, what are you going to ask me? True or false? You wrestled a bear. True. Well, you're going to need to elaborate. Yeah, that needs an explanation. We can't gloss over that. Uh, it's like 1990-ish at the Harrisburg Farm Show So when you, you weren't even a young man. You were like in your mid-40s at this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Still in college. Still in college. I just broke my leg early in the year playing rugby uh, at the Sportsman Show. And uh, if you wrestled this bear, you won a, uh, a rafting trip. And if you actually beat the bear, you won $500. Well, I wrestled the bear, and I had wrestled in school. And at one point, I thought I was about to beat the bear, but the bear ended up sticking his paw between my legs and basically tossing me into the air, <laughs> slamming me down and crawling on top of me. <laughs> Then started to proceed to bite me in the ass <laughs> because the bear was not muzzled. <laughs> and started, he was trained, though. This bear had wrestled uh, Andre the Giant. Damn. And, uh, and a lot of other people, famous people. In case no. you guys didn't know, John is actually 11 feet tall, 500 <laughs> pounds. He breathes fire and shits lightning. The only thing true there is the shitting lightning part. <laughs> 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 he farts thunder and shits lightning. Yeah, we're gonna have to get that bear as a guest on next episode of the podcast. <laughs> now, <laughs> now that you wrestled it, I mean, do you, could you ever have a chance against a real bear? No fucking way. <laughs> All right, which no, knife? Which one of your knives? Like... Which one of your knives would you want in a bear fight? <laughs> if you had to fight a bear right now with oh, one of your knives, yeah. Let's say let's say Lynn Thompson emails you and he wants to make a knife for cold steel. <laughs> And it needs to be the best bear killing knife you can think of that you've made. Go for it. Uh, let's see. If you can't think of a bear killing one, think of a donkey killing. They would just I modify did, whatever worked for donkeys. I, I did. Uh, I did make a sword. When the hell did you make a sword? A sword. A sword. A sword. A sword. <laughs> a sword. I made a sword. Uh, a sword. But uh, I made a kukri. Oh yeah. Like with a pretty pointy blade. That's about. Uh, 14-inch blade, that would have to be the, the knife that I made. Can you name it the bear fucker? <laughs> A fucker. Bear fucker. Um, yeah, no, I would never want to get in a fight with the bear. But prior to wrestling the bear, you go and you get to meet the bear, and the bear's head was like as wide as my body. And that's pretty fucking huge yeah. in case you go. Well, he's a friendly bear. He's like petting his giant, overgrown, stinky dog. I was going to say, did he stink? Uh, he had an odor. <laughs> so they had something in common. They, they gave everybody who wrestled the bear, they were all given a white shirt, T-shirt, that the bear was used to smelling, so he wasn't too uh, aggressive. And you also, there were things you could not do to the bear. You were not allowed to poke him in the eyes, pull his hair, jam your fingers in his ear, pull his hair, uh, punch the bear, well, you know, but you could, you know, you just wrestle, you grapple with the bear, is what it was, and the bear was just there having a good old time. Didn't it, like, wasn't aggressive or anything, and, uh, you know, I was the fourth person to wrestle him, you know, four of us. It was all it. warmed up. It was all warmed up, and I, like I said, I thought I had him, and next thing I know, 
I was about five feet in the air and then slam right back on the ground and get your ass yeah, bit, get my ass bit by the bear and the guys yelling, "Get them dingleberries!" I'm laughing and almost crying at the same time. <laughs> Speaking of getting warmed up, would you call that ass bite erotic? No, I was going to oh, say absolutely. This, you can have the same experience by going to a bar in South Philly. Yeah, we're <laughs> Norristown. Um, yeah, no, it was far from it. It was, uh, but uh, it didn't hurt. He he was just grabbed. He wasn't trying to, you know, it wasn't. It, but it was disturbing. Like like wrestling with like your dog or something like uh, that, where he's not like, but only, yeah, like only just, with claws and a bear. Yeah, just gravity was not. Uh, there was I didn't have a scratch on me. I didn't get bit enough, you know, where I bled it all. Well, this is that's this is not good radio. Say you like had to hold your intestines in after you were done. <laughs> I think I, so I think that was the first time I shit lightning. <laughs> that was the first, and that scared the bear off. Yeah. So, <laughs> go for it, Dave. I was gonna say the bear rape scene sold the Revenant really well. That movie. So tell us, yeah. tell everybody that you got raped by the bear. Yeah, not even close. No, it was nothing like that scene at all. The bear was just sat on top of me. It wasn't bouncing around. It was just there. Just giving me just little laid there like a dead fish. We've all been there. Uh, <laughs> so okay, couple things. So where do you go after you've wrestled a bear? Like, what do you think the next form of wildlife you needed to? What was what is taking it up a notch? If you had to wrestle another, you know, how about riding a hippo? Oh, I've ridden an elephant. Yeah. Mm, doesn't feel Riding a hippo? No. I was going to make like, kill too many people. Like, like an ex wife joke or something like that. But I, you know, can't do that. <laughs> no, uh, no hippos. No hippos. Worth to live by. No hippos. I thought maybe like crocodile or alligator. Mm, maybe even a shark. How many people would just pay to see John Gray with like maybe a snorkel? Going down into some sort of fish tank and wrestling in a, a speedo with a bull shark. Yeah, I'm gonna pass. And you can you can use the blood shark. I was gonna say yeah, you have to have a blood shark. Use the you. blood shark on the bull shark. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the only way you guys can get Cold Steel to make it is if you fight an actual shark with the blood shark. Uh, it's funny. There's video out there of a in a, in Africa, the guy had a Cold Steel double-edged knife. I don't know what model, but he carried it when he hunted there. And his Probably father was reach. getting mauled by a uh, Cape Buffalo. Guy ran up to the Cape Buffalo with that cold steel knife and killed the uh, the buffalo with it. Are we and sure? It's on, and it's on video. Are we sure it wasn't a donkey? It was, no, dude. It was <laughs> definitely not a donkey. <laughs> but, Cape Buffalo are serious, man. There you are. I would they call him Africa's Black Death. And, uh, yeah, it's something, I mean, I would go hunt them, but, uh, you have to respect them because they kill a shit ton of people over there. Wow. So pro tip, you know, cold steel is the best knife. Buffalo killer. Buffalo killer there. and, and donkey killer. And ninjas too. <laughs> Buffalo's donkeys and ninjas too. Nice. Uh, oh my God! What is going on? This get, get back on topic, maybe after that <laughs> little segue. How does someone actually get one of your knives, John? Because I've never really been able to tell. Besides, you know, at shows, is that the only time you sell them, or how exactly uh, do you do it otherwise? 
don't know. Let me think. What does it say on my Instagram? It says to call you. It doesn't really say <laughs> yeah. anything about how to buy them. It, I don't know why people fucking insist on emailing me all the time when it's like, dude, give me a call. You guys do not <laughs> it's understand real simple. how much. <laughs> and how that's much? if, you know, there may be a, a time, but it's just, unless you're trying to call me from Europe or something, it's, it's just a phone call. How much of a technophobe this I guy am is? Not a, uh, if it involves a keyboard, I'm not a fan. I, I texted him today because I was at work as I was trying to plan this, and I was surprised he answered me immediately. Only reason my phone was in my hand at the time. <laughs> Wonder why. And, and how, many, how long was the text? Yes, dear. Yeah, two words. <laughs> that's always that's always for sure sure or yes dear those are if you go look through my text conversation with john gray that's all it says so i was thinking as i was at work like what are the top yes like, dear bring lube what are like the top three <laughs> what are the top three <laughs> professions that john gray uh you know would not be great fit for and the first one that came to mind was was apple store technician <laughs> it's like you bring your iPad in. He's like, "Yeah, I, I took it in the back and gave it a bark finish." That would be exactly <laughs> what I would do to it. Yeah, I thought the screen was shiny, so I gave it a nice satin finish with a beat blaster. Yeah. <laughs> and threw it in the tumbler for an hour. <laughs> yeah, I would say zookeeper, but you know, after the last couple uh, situations, you know, he might end up wrestling. Geek people. squad. Geek squad. <laughs> yeah. John Gray shows up at your house. <laughs> I'm here to fix your computer <sighs> with a knife. By the, then, by the time he leaves, your computer is more broken and your dog's pregnant. <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna kill you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, where are we going from here? Let's see. This people aren't so, tough to segue so out of that. You know, aren't supposed to know about them pregnant dogs. <laughs> the dog John comes Gale. out and it has a fuller on it. You know it was John's. <laughs> John gets bitches. Uh, John grinds bitches. <laughs> <laughs> There's your new shirt. John grinds bitches. That might have to happen. Right. Okay, so what do you what what other new models are you working on? What can we do we have anything you want to talk There's about? Some folders. Just so folders. I can tell you. you. He's always nothing, playing close to the chest. There's nothing really to say. I guess this this just doesn't know yet. <laughs> That's good. So so splitters, four of those. Oh yeah. Some of the, I definitely want one of those. Bad. And more fixed blades. You know, awesome. working on some accomplices, some robos. The hooker. The hooker. Yeah. Did you guys know that there was the hooker fixed blade? I can. I'm guessing it is the one that is like a hook. <laughs> if I had to guess. You are so astute. Yeah. I, I'm gonna guess it was this one. Yeah. It, it, he's got it around his. Oh wait. I'm. I'm being handed knives left and right. You should see. We're at my friend Emily's house and. My grandmother's kitchen table is covered in knives. <laughs> this is amazing. So I'm, I'm playing. So he's got the hooker and the slut and the perversion. I love these names. I, I The slut is actually one of my favorite knives that I own. Easily in the top five. Yeah, yours is very cool. 
that knife is awesome. And what was even cooler about it is I was there as he was making it, which was awesome. That was what made it my favorite knife of yours because that was even still relatively early on in your uh, custom collection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be there and, and really experience it, I thought made it made it much more unique and much more meaningful. I was um, not. It ruined time. you for other knives and other and other bears. I don't quite <laughs> understand why. Levon weeped with joy the entire time I was making that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, there was there, there was a squeak. <laughs> Uh, that was good. I do have a question. Yes, dear. You seem to be a big fan of plane selfies. Yeah, it's the only <laughs> time I really take a selfie. Go through your Instagram. There are a lot of pictures, a lot of selfies of you on planes. Yeah, well, but what else is in that picture? Yeah, okay. I'm, I need to segue this because I just said that Not, my favorite. There's one thing that's my favorite. consistent with that photo. So my there's a keeper. Yeah. Oh god damn it! Listen, my favorite John Gray knife is the slut. My favorite John Gray product is the keeper. Thing is badass. I'm not into nucks or like fidget toys or or knife curiosities or anything like that. But the functionality that I get with the keeper by John Gray, I have two titanium ones. One with like glow in the dark inlays. And one with uh, uh, abalone, really, really awesome things. And I use them to keep my keys from my car hooked to my belt loop. Uh, I open bottles with them. I mean, it's just a really practical tool to have on your person. And I think it's probably one of the most underrated knife or EDC everyday carry products there are. Um, Jake, you you've seen it. You know, I use it all the time. And of so course. Are you, Opening, John. opening my beers. Yes, <laughs> John. Are you think are you going to be producing more of those? Because I know it was like yeah, really. I just made twenty of them, and uh, that was part of Blade, and they're gone. And then uh, I'm working on some other ones right now, like another twenty. I hope to have them for the gathering. And uh, Monkey Edge wants some. They Monkey Edge might have a couple. They bought some from me at. Uh, Blade show. But it's like the most unassuming, you know, discreet, I guess you call it a self-defense tool, right? Because it's technically... It could be improvised into a self-defense tool, but its primary function is to hold your keys and open your beers. And it works pretty well. I mean, I was able to get into the Iron Maiden concert two weeks ago. Did I tell you that? Well, <laughs> he's, shaking his, he's shaking his head yes. He doesn't realize he's on radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, John's gotten to a plane with it many times, so I would say yeah. that's more impressive. That's true. I haven't been on a plane with it yet, but I'm Mark biting my tongue. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it wasn't primarily a weapon, but I mean, there's definitely some inspiration out there from some other items that are out there. But uh, it's, it's great for knocking on doors. There we go. It's a door knocker. I remember going through the security uh, at, at the at the concert and the, and the security guard like, was looking at it like, wow. He was just like, you could see him admiring it. And then he just puts it back into the little tray. So you have to go through like airport security to go to a concert now. And uh, I was surprised that I got through with it. So I, I use it every day. It's one of I'm those things. You, it's, it's one of those things that you don't realize you have a need for until you have it. And it, once you, 
you know, it just becomes part of your your everyday carry. Actually, one last thing that's actually relevant to knives. Um, <laughs> John, so are your knives completely handmade? Because it looks like scrolling through your photos and your Instagram that you're using like a, what is it, a scroll saw or a sledding saw or something at one point. That so was, That was just for the uh, carbocord scale. Okay. Because, well, judging by Levon's comments about you being a Luddite, I'm guessing there's no CNCs or anything in your shop that's done by... <laughs> with... Are there any there? Uh, no. <laughs> there's there's a Bridgeport mill there from the 40s, possibly even 30s, along with a, uh, a jig board, a Lindley jig board from the same era. Well, You know, uh, most modern equipment are the grinders that I have, but they're all manual grinders. You know, they're not CNC grinders. Did you pick up one of those intercooled ones at the show? Oh, not yet. It's a bomber. I really want to see that thing in action. No, I just... I went to go pick it up, and then there was nobody around to go pay. So, what is this for reference? Time, yeah, I, I forgot the the, the guys you're making it. So. Mellon, Jerry Mellon came up with a uh, an air cooled carbide plated rotary flat platen that I think is pretty damn cool, and I prefer to grind flat, and uh, it would just be a very useful tool for the shop. I mean, it's not cheap i think they're like three grand jim skelton and just one. for <laughs> it's 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 just for an it's an accessory to your grinder it's not even you know it doesn't even have a motor on it wow so uh yeah i mean i glanced at it i really didn't get a chance to play with it but uh i was there early to look at it and uh it's definitely neat and still on my list things to get That'll be really cool to see. Uh, this is what it's like every week, John. It's just uh, Dave does a really good job of editing. There's a lot. It's a lot to cut out. Dave, they're not. It's, no, it's normally not this bad. It normally flows a little better. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> yes. I don't listen to it anyway. That's no, true. You know, he, ne- John has actually never listened to this podcast. That's great. You know. But, uh, no, I, I have heard bits and pieces. Shout, shout out to Matt Diskin, though. We know you listen, brother. Thank Matt you. Matt listens. Yeah. Hey, I would, just... uh, if you ever want to know some stuff about carbon fiber and switchblades and auto knives and very good high-quality bellies and stuff, you should talk to Matt someday. That, uh, you actually did that really ground one of the blades for his wheel. It, it sounds really weird, but the, ne- the, the knife is actually called the wheel. It's a double-action Dual action auto. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Knife. Those things are very cool. I don't know. I, I wish he made more knives, but it seems like he has the carbon fiber business. Keeps him pretty busy. Um, he makes a fair amount. He's going to have some more knives here soon. Cool. He also Start has a Kaiser. He has a Kaiser collaboration coming out soon. Yeah. On his flipper model. It's yeah. Called, it's called the flipper. Yeah. And I have one of his flippers and i think it's a fantastic knife yeah they're doing the dual detent really thing good. that he does as well which is really cool that seeing that implemented on a production knife correctly yeah, he was actually he was actually pretty surprised to see that they they really duplicated the knife yeah because emerson well, does really it. like really duplicated like he handed them a knife or a drawing next thing you know they were like they're like exact and yeah they're good at that yeah but, <laughs> brian, brian <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the new Sharp, uh, ty- the uh, the new uh, the Kaiser Typhoon, but uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> oh, I bet that already did happen. Yeah. We just don't know yet. We can wrap it up if you guys want. You yeah. know, do we have enough to make an episode out of this? Sure, I have a wingding of the week yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so in keeping with the theme of useful consumer advice this episode, including how to fight a bear, uh, wingding of the week is, this one's going to be kind of mild. It's going to people who fund Kickstarter or GoFundMe campaigns, uh, especially for knives, but, you know, this is a more general thing. So in case you guys don't know, Kickstarter and GoFundMe are crowdsourcing platforms where people will basically just put out an idea and sometimes they'll come up with some cool renderings or they'll make a prototype that looks all shiny and attractive and they'll ask you to pay in advance to help them get the startup funds for it instead of getting, I don't know, a small business loan. So it's a cool idea and it's worked for a lot of things. But one thing people don't realize is that you have literally no recourse if the person who you fund just runs off with your money so there's a great one going on right now in the knife community with paulo balzano raised like 30 something thousand dollars to make them the mars folder and it's been a year and guess what no knives and the best part is that these companies like kickstar and gofundme absolve themselves entirely of any responsibility for your money so there um, is first off i'm sure he's gonna get to them i saw he today he posted a little video of his board, you know, his schedule, so... Oh, okay. It, 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 must, be, it, it must be happening. <laughs> if yeah. Brian saw it, it's gospel. It's, it's real. It, they're definitely coming. No, but this, this can happen with anything. It's happened in every hobby. So, um, there's just basically, if the every person industry, doesn't deliver... Every industry. Yeah, if the person doesn't mm-hmm. deliver on these Kickstarter or GoFundMe uh, campaigns, then there's no recourse. The companies that host these things will not get you your money back and you're basically screwed so watch out in the future because people are going to start using these and it is is a ripe opportunity for scamming people um a lot of a lot of the companies especially like one big ones like kickstarter are actually revising their uh, but honestly are i'm sure there's far fewer scammers yeah and they're just idiots that lose the money correct Yeah. yeah i mean there's it's not so just yeah, be it's, pick and choose. Look, yeah. If you knew anything about Paulo, you know, previous history. Yeah. Is the smart money on funding him? Yes yeah. or no? Well, obviously. I mean, all right. So, but I mean, if I can name dozens of other people, like Brian Fellholter did it with uh, his pen. Yeah. And, you know, did a great job. Yeah. That is true. So, There's definitely it works for DPX as well. You know, a clecker did that with the, yeah. But I mean, I know Brian did a phenomenal job. True. You know, you don't hear anybody complaining. You know, they're very grateful. So, with your warning, at the same time, there's plenty of really good opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. I agree. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it, it's going to be a great opportunity for some people, and it's also going to be uh, not so fun for some other people. Yeah. And truthfully, you know, things, uh, you know, op- when you're running a business and manufacture or, you know, making a product, things can go wrong. I think the biggest thing that a lot of, uh, you know, people don't realize is that communication counts for a lot. You know? Yeah. And I think the people who are successful, uh, even if they have setbacks, are the ones that have really great communication. And that goes with it, whether they're using a crowdfunding source or they're a maker with books, you know. 
It's very true, but you know, for some people in the knife community, I thought they might be unfamiliar with the platform itself. Sure. Because there's there's been bans, there's been video games that have you know been funded, and then nothing ever came of them. So something to watch out for. But it's also a very good platform. DPX uh, made their American version of their Hess knife uh, entirely through crowdfunding. So it, it can it certainly can work. But I I was actually interested in that that American made Hess, but. Every, I mean, I've never handled one, so I can't speak to it, but a lot of the YouTube knife reviewer communities uh, shat on it, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard great things about it either. Right. I don't know who the OEM was for it, but... The thanks. irony is that the regular one's built by Lion Steel, and you know, you've had great luck with all of those. Oh, yeah. Such fantastic luck. The SR11s are starting to trickle out, and uh, one person, at least, on Blade Forum said that there's, the D10 on theirs wasn't very good. Another person said the tip was rounded because of it's convex. The edge is convex, like a pretty strong convex. Uh, and yeah, so I feel somewhat vindicated, but there's also plenty of people saying they're decent. So not totally that, vindicated. Uh, that Spyderco we're all interested in, the Shaman, that also has that convex grind. Didn't you tell me that, Jake? Does it? I didn't think yeah, it did. I think, I think it does. Jake, are you there? Jake. Earth Jake. <laughs> is he gone? I think it does. He's shitting lightning. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I didn't know I was on mute. I was just talking up a storm there. Mm. I told you all about the meaning of life and everything. Um yeah, I I I thought I had someone talked into buying one of those so that I could uh give it a give it a nice thorough check over, but I don't know, maybe we'll just have to bite the bullet on that. You guys were really excited about it and that surprised me. I thought I'd be the most excited about it since uh since I'm the one on a spider co kick right now. But uh yeah, that one's that one still looks great, and and I don't know, maybe there's a a trend forming for production, you know, big production num number companies to do convex grinds moving forward. What are your thoughts on that, John? He's sitting here just with a grimace over the convex grind. I don't think a lot of people are going to know how to sharpen it. Yeah, I I don't know how we're. I mean. Yeah, well, I think we're still at the point where people don't know about it, even though they, I feel like they've been uh, in vogue for a few years now. Well, it's it it's it makes a lot more sense on uh, on a fixed blade, on you know more tra what would be traditionally called a bushcraft knife or a survival knife or something yeah. to that effect. And the way that collectors use their folders, it it really doesn't make all that much sense. Um, in in my travels, I. Yeah, exactly. The way that we don't use our folders. In my travels, I I work on knives for a couple of guys who really use their knives like hard, 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 hard use every day. Uh, often doing things that you should use a chisel for and all that whole argument and stuff. Um, but I get to resharpen them and and see how they're holding up and how different edges work. And um, so I'm, I, you know, I would like to see at least the option so that we can get some better, you know, feedback or whatever. John is sitting here doing doing the wicked edge dance right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This is I can't record like this. I'm sorry everybody. Like this is a completely different environment to record it. And it's just like I'm sitting here covered in knives. I got John Gray making faces at me. It's not the most professional of, of scenarios, but it's fun for me. Um, <laughs> and on that note. Shall we? Uh, shall we wrap this up? Yeah. Let's get sure. Yes. Yeah, so let's give let's give the the listeners a break since we're uh, just sort of pontificating at this point. <laughs>
So, John, where can everyone find you? He's just going to sit there and not talk. You're just going to call John Gray. What's John Google Gray's call. phone number? Yeah. I'm going to put Google, his phone. Google John Gray knives. No, I'm going to give put your phone number right here. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, it's on his Instagram, so. Yeah. No, it doesn't easy. matter. It doesn't, but not you know, everyone has Instagram. It's just him and Mike Snooty. Word. <laughs> <laughs> So if you guys are interested in any of John Gray's products, you can give him a call at 610-636-4681. Order now. <laughs> and as usual, thank you all for listening. Uh, you know, you can find me, Levon. I'm on Instagram at MetalLevon. Please visit our website at KnifeNuts.net. Soon there will be T-shirts, I promise. Uh Dave? Yep. All lies. All right. You can find me at underscore misanthropia on Instagram or misanthropia on Blade Forums and YouTube. Also, I promised I would do a quick shout out to my sister, the first person to risk life and limb for our podcast. And since our goal eventually is to turn the Knife Nuts brand into a cult, we are going to expect that from all of you, our dear listeners, at some point. We demand blood. <laughs> and I'm Jake. I'm still Whiskey Pickle Jake on Instagram. And Brian, you can get me on Instagram. is probably the easiest. He's sharp, Brian. Brian. He's just sharp, Brian. Brian. <laughs> just search Brian. Oh, wait, is that Brian? That's all I said? Yeah. You, yeah. Said, you know, because I really don't want to talk to anybody anymore. And I, and I even caught it. <laughs> all right. Good just, night, everyone. Let's go. Brian B. Douche at sharpbydesign.com. You can also get Brian at uh, drywall by design and uh, kitchens by design. Or just we go just, to the phone book and find the first Brian, and it's probably him. <laughs> I would rather people first, do that. Type into Google. Brian you can watch the movie The Life of Brian. The Life of Brian. And in the credits, at the very end of the movie, it has a cell phone number. Call 1-800-223-9797 to get in touch with Brian. He likes to be called at midnight. All right. Thank you for listening. See ya. We'll Goodbye, see you probably. We'll, we'll probably record another episode next week.